The most miserable outcast hugs some memory or some illusion. Joseph Conrad. everybody what's happening yes hello 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 welcome to yet another episode of felonious pundits once again i'm your friend i'm your pal i'm kintad Svensgard, and along with me another friend another pal and even a buddy i would say please say hello to aj mass why hello hello a friend in need is a friend indeed and i hope i don't have any friends like the friends that were discussed in this week's episode Whoo boy tell me about it this week was an episode all right uh, <laughs> we shall talk about it soon but first let me just tell you folks what we are we are felonious pundits and this is a podcast about the television show criminal minds each week, we recap an episode of the show, we take an in-depth look at it, and uh, we discuss it. I personally have never seen this show before, so this is a first-watch first perspective that you're getting from me, and AJ is what we now call, as part of the show's uh, tropes and lingo, we now call AJ the grizzled veteran of the criminal mindset he has seen every episode plenty of times. Watched many an episode while laying in bed preparing to sleep. But also, I'm sure watched it at other times as well. All right. That's enough. <laughs> yeah, you know. Explanation. Watch it in bed while I'm in the bathtub uh, eating strawberries. What? No, no. It doesn't set the mood. Come on, man. <laughs> not quite the show. Not quite the show for that. Uh, especially not this week. But uh, let's get into it, I guess. <laughs> This week, we will recap Season 2, Episode 2 of Criminal Minds, entitled, for some reason, P911. This episode originally aired on September 27th, 2006. It was written by Simon Mirren and directed by Adam Davidson. Uh, shall we just get into it, AJ? I think so. Should be fun. In its own way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, this week we start off right away with a disturbing scene. Uh, we see a young boy and a camera. Uh, he's captive in a small room. He's looking up at this camera that is disturbingly in the mouth of some mask-like grotesque pointing at him. And it's a very tiny, weirdly shaped room. And the boy is holding a toy soldier. Uh, he says the soldier's name is Jack and he protects him. And then he says, I didn't mean to get you mad right into the camera. Please, I'll be a good boy. Please let me out. Yeah, it's going to be one of those episodes I can already tell. Um, and now we cut to what we are told is the Crimes Against Children unit in College Park, Maryland. And we see an agent looking at a video of this boy and she seems shocked. She says the name Peter, and she walks over to another agent's office who appears to be her boss and says, Katie, I think Peter's back. She just got a new image. The screen name of this sender is Hugs with a Z, H-U-G-Z, and he just sent it to her. 
And this is the same boy, apparently, but a new image timestamp just one hour ago. The boss is dumbfounded. Apparently, this is a case that they've been working or had been working at some point in the past. Uh, they get on the they get on the computer and communicate with Hugs, and he sends them a link to a live stream of the boy, apparently, and it has a clock counting down. And Katie says, "Oh, that's an auction clock. They're going to sell Peter." And then uh, she says, "Get me Hotchner with the BAU." So. She knows who to call when she yeah, needs some help. Yeah, and uh, Ghostbusters just won't do for this case. It's, this, this is a real case, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> no, no. no I, it's, it's a nice setting of the mood here. Uh, you know, like I said, normally on this show, as you know, they try and balance the uh, the gruesomeness with some levity and some ha-ha. And uh, they're not going to do that with this episode. Uh, and, and rightly so, Very few. there are very few storylines that uh, get this kind of treatment. Uh, this, this is going to be one of them. Yeah, understandably so. We uh, now cut to our BAU office. The team is in the conference room, and they're looking at the stream or the video. And Reed is giving us disturbing facts, saying 40,000 images of child porn are posted to the internet every week. Along with the appearance of 20 new children every week, the appetite for babies as young as four months old has soared. Many of these children have been kidnapped and sold into uh, pedophile rings. And Gideon says that a year ago, this boy appeared on several of the pedophile websites. After a massive hunt by the Crimes Against Children unit, the boy just disappeared. Hotch says that until that was until tonight when Special uh, Agent Cole called us. Morgan recognizes the name Katie Cole, and Gideon confirms she used to work for the BAU, so she was a profiler. She's a brilliant profile, as a matter of fact. And Morgan says, yeah, I always wanted to meet her. And she walks in the office herself and says, really? I heard she was a bitch. Gideon, I don't think, was picking up on that humor. <laughs> says, no, uh, nobody ever called you that, Katie. <laughs> I don't know that he, I think it was just the banter that they had. Like, it just shows a familiarity. I do like the look on yeah. Morgan's face when, when she comes in and says that. He's, he's just like, what? What is going on here? Who is this? Wait, what? <laughs> There's a brief momentary, like, huh? <laughs> I, I almost wish she, I mean, I know, comedy aside, we have to bring some levity to this episode, folks. We understand the seriousness of the issue, but... We have to have a little bit of fun, gallows humor. Uh, I wish he would have then said, uh, I would love to meet a million dollars. That would have been nice. So she lets them know uh, that she is the one who's named this boy Peter. She doesn't, they don't really know who this, they don't have an identity for this child. Um, he's being auctioned off. They note that the criminal is not pixelating this boy's face and they figure it's because the unsub is confident that they won't be able to identify him in time. They can't track the website. It goes through a Belarusian proxy. And even if that government was friendly, they wouldn't be able to get the paperwork done in time to get any information. JJ says, well, we don't worry about paperwork. We got a Garcia. <laughs> And <laughs> in other words, y'all know where you're going to find me this episode, like you find me every episode. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, oh, boy. Gideon tells uh, her to get on that. So JJ goes off. 
Hotch asks Katie what happened a year ago. She says basically that they worked really hard. They narrowed down the location to the eastern United States. They had a few suspects, but then the trail ran cold until today. Morgan asks very pessimistically, how is this time going to be every different? And she says, well, this time we have a starting point. Uh, the chat room, which uh, is hosted by an independent company in Cleveland, Ohio. And this time I'm bringing you all in with me. After we get another quick shot of the boy in his room and uh, look at his picture, we go to credits. After credits, we come back to the FBI HQ in Quantico, and Gideon gives us our opening uh, quote. Theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Bonhoeffer said, the test of the morality of a society is what it does for its children. Elle gets off the elevator. She's sporting a short hairdo. Reed greets her, and they compliment each other's haircuts. He asks how she's been doing, and it feels a little awkward, but before it can get even more awkward, Hotch comes out, and Elle is asking, nay, pleading to come back to work. It's been four months since her incident. Uh, Hotch is like, no, not until you're cleared. She says, please, please. Hotch relents a little bit, says she can go to the Crimes Against Children unit with Reed. At first, she seems disappointed that she can't go to Cleveland with the rest of the team. But Hotch ain't playing. It's that or nothing. So she just says, OK, I'm all yours, Dr. Reed. Yeah, it's a nice uh, way to establish where we are in, in time, because obviously season two picked up exactly where season one left off. But we had waited four months for the episode. So, you know, now it's like, yeah, that case right. took place. And now we're doing the four month time jump because otherwise it would we'd certainly be out of sync. We couldn't do a Halloween episode and a Thanksgiving episode and a Christmas episode or anything like that. We're resetting the, the timeline to match reality. So I, I do like that a lot. Mm hmm. We cut next to the BAU jet flying at the scene. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> Did you notice that the BAU, the BAU jet shot is backwards? No, I didn't even uh, peep that. It, it was reversed. So, first of all, it's flying from, you know, as if it was flying towards the East Coast. Which it wouldn't be; it'd be going west. But the numbers themselves are—they they flipped the shot for for some unknown reason. I mean, it's stock footage; just just show it normally. But they flipped it, and I don't know why. Um, but perhaps that explains all the turbulence we're about to see. I was just gonna say, maybe that was why. AJ, we we do see some turbulence, but we'll we'll talk about it. Let me set the scene first, yes. and then we can discuss it. So we go onto the jet, and Katie Cole, who is standing while giving a, a little summary to the agents of the case, she just does topple a little bit right away from some turbulence. She hands out her briefing packets, and she's going over the case with the team, and she's talking about how they got the image. It was found by one of their undercover agents who was what they call phishing on the, the pedophile websites. Hotch asks about if they ran any linguistic forensics. Um, maybe they could figure out something based on Hugs' speech patterns. But uh, Katie is saying, no, internet chat doesn't really work that way. She gives a sharp <laughs> intake at another bit of turbulence. 
and Gideon, for whatever reason, I have no idea, is like fear of flying, lengthy, deep rooted issue, deep rooted issues of control. I was like, damn, Gideon, <laughs> that's <laughs> that wasn't very sympathetic, but it's Gideon, so you know, you know, there's some backstory here that we don't know about. Certainly, like you know, it goes back to that first scene where he's just like, yeah, no, no one called that to your face. <laughs> yeah, like, he clearly does not like this woman. <laughs> for whatever reason. Yeah, I don't know what, what happened uh, uh, there. Cole does say she happens to think better on her feet. And then she explains internet shortcut chat. L-O-L-I-M-H-O-F-T-F. It's been a while. Which is face-to-face. It's been a while since we had an over-explain. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they did it a lot early in the first few episodes, and they kind of went away from the over-explaining. This is the uh, over-explaining. We're back to it. Again, early early in a season, perhaps we need to do it more. We have the new viewers for, for the first time for the show. But, I mean, come on. We don't need to explain this stuff. Or do we? I guess we'll find out that we do in some cases. <laughs> Maybe we do. She says pedophiles can be divided into two categories, AJ. And then she looks almost sick at yet another bit of turbulence. <laughs> This plane ride going to Cleveland, as you said, perhaps because they're flying the wrong direction. <laughs> so much turbulence. Uh, Hotch takes over for her to explain the two different types of pedophiles. She's, he says there's the situational and the preferential. While he's speaking the next bit, there's again the camera trickery type of thing that Criminal Minds likes to do. There's lots of black and white photos sort of filling this fuselage of the plane until it sort of encompasses everything and and Hotch is surrounded by the... It's a thing. uh, It's kind of a hard thing to describe on a podcast. But but you could know that it's happening. It's not necessary, but it's happening. You know they like to do the trickery and everything. At least he's not going into the scenes. These are scenes being played behind him and it's a montage. You know... uh, I get it when they're profiling and they want to tell the cops who don't know nothing what's, what's what and all this stuff, but... What's this presentational stuff on the jet? It's just like, first of all, who's he telling? Gideon knows. Katie Cole knows. He knows. Mm-hmm. Reeb seems to know. He had all the all the child porn stats, so he knows. Like Morgan knows. Like who who are they telling this? They're telling us. I get that, <laughs> but like it doesn't doesn't make sense to do this right. at, on on the jet. So this this episode has a lot of structural and writing problems. I still I still enjoy this episode a lot. I think it's very well done and it's a fun episode when all is said and done, especially, you know, given the harsh subject matter, I think it's it's, it's a good episode, mm-hmm. but the, the writing could be so much better. And this is just one instance. Agreed. So uh, the situational offenders rarely seek out children, but they do take advantage of a situation when presented with it. Whereas the preferential offenders actively target children by the you know factors such as age group or hair color they'll seek out jobs which give them as much access to children as possible and cole says they will often troll around in residential neighborhoods hijacking home wireless networks uh, communicating with children often outside the very house that the child is in or they'll just use a coffee house's wi-fi to find uh, and locate children and, uh, and arrange a meeting. Yeah, I, I called this her audition for Fox News. 
They're in your homes. They're in your homes right now. Be afraid, everybody. Be afraid. (laughs) Yes. I I don't even know. I I guess maybe this was groundbreaking or news breaking in 2006. Yeah, I think think we forget how quick – we do forget how quickly technology advanced to the point where uh, people were still just getting discs with AOL on them. Uh, and, and that was still a thing. So yeah, a lot of people did not understand this stuff, especially the older audience that watches CBS doesn't really know. Uh, it became outdated very, very quickly. Uh, this kind of dialogue, that's, that's where these episodes always fall by because we don't need, we, we, we get it now. We get, we get how Wi-Fi works. We all have iPhones or Androids of some sort. We're all on the internet. The over-explanation yes. is a little silly. And as you say, Agent Cole is <laughs> is uh, painting quite the rosy picture <laughs> of how all the security in the world can't stop them from coming in <laughs> through our doors. We need uh, to build a wall, a firewall, I mean. <laughs> she's laying it on thick. And then Hotch says, uh, so if this guy has had the kid for a year, that makes him a preferential pedophile and morgan asks then why is he selling this kid uh some more turbulence hits <laughs> and then after a second cole says maybe he's losing interest maybe peter's getting too old maybe he's getting too tall preferential offenders are very specific and then uh they say well if you can't sell him he's not gonna let the kid go so to, so, so basically to speak. they're saying that a preferential uh, offender is very preferential <laughs> Yes. I mean, it's it's in the name, uh, but yeah, no, I, it's an important point certainly that we we. But the reason doesn't really even matter. It's just like, look, he's he's gonna sell the kid, and if we don't find him, and he doesn't get a seller, if he doesn't get a buyer, that you know, then then he's gonna kill him. Like that's what it is. Like we're. It's another way to say we are on a time limit. The stakes are high. Mm-hmm. Just in case the. Ticking clock on the stream didn't give us well, that you know, impression. Look, and I, I didn't even mention the fact that you know the clock where it was when she first sees it to where where it is when she shows up at BAU. There's no way she could have made the trip in that amount of time. But whatever, we'll give you a little TV magic. So uh, JJ and Garcia beep into the meeting. JJ wants to know, shouldn't they release Peter's pictures to the media? And Cole is like, no, no, no. He may make a run for it and dispose of the boys. They don't want to do that. And Gideon says, shouldn't we assume that he does know we're on to him? And Cole says, we intercepted this image as part of an undercover operation. These predators have a very closed society. The way they run these sites gives them the expectation of anonymity. And Gideon says, oh, all right. And Hotch tells JJ to have Reed and L check the live feed, not just the boy, but everything in the feed, everything around him, the room, see if they missed anything. Which, I mean, does he really need to say that? I mean, he already sent them. <laughs> he already sent them there to the to the uh, Kaku, <laughs> Crimes Against Children Unit, the Kaku. Um, so they're already there. <laughs> right? What else are they going to do there? I mean, there's nobody... Like, there, other than the feed, of course they're looking at the feed. It, it seems it seems a little silly. Other than to just say, "Hey, I'm going to mention Reed and L," so we can then cut to Reed and L. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I just I didn't get the whole point of the all the turbulent. Like I thought maybe this was going to lead to something. It was really just uh, establishing some facts about the character that weren't that interest. Like I that I didn't care about. 
if they're not going to come yeah, back no, to it it's, at all. It's, uh, it, I, I agree. Like I said, the writing this episode <laughs> is fairly weak. I, I think the only thing, when you introduce, whenever they introduce a new unit and they put two or three people in that unit who you, you go, eh, early spinoff ideas, maybe we'll come back to the unit. So let's let's give everybody a character quirk early. Uh, she doesn't like the fly. Like, you know, just in case they come back, we already have established they don't like the fly, you know, or whatever it is, you know. Yes, but it's not typical of a procedural drama to have a spinoff, AJ. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> this just in CSI Vegas, <laughs> which isn't even a spinoff. It's a reboot. <laughs> but they're calling it a new name. Boy, anyway. Yeah. So, uh, yes, we cut to Reed and Elle arriving at the Crimes Against Children cuckoo unit and... Uh, they meet Amanda Gilroy, who was the agent in the first scene that got the uh, image of Peter. And she says she's the one who got it this time. But Katie was actually the first to find him. And Ella's like, you call her Katie? And she says, everyone does. She hates to be called Agent Cole. And I would think maybe Agent Greenaway. <laughs> no. She Elle. might understand that. Yeah. But yes. She might understand that. Well, you know, maybe else, maybe else. Thinking, um, ah, she must hate men as much as I do. <laughs> <laughs> so Gilroy tells them to uh, make themselves at homes. Uh, they just got their warrants approved, and Katie and the BAU team are about to meet with the chat room vendor over in Cleveland. And we cut to a very shady-looking building, <laughs> <laughs> and we are told it is the online listing service. In Cleveland, Ohio. And um, we see a bunch of folks in there working. It actually looks like a normal office compared to the shady looking exterior shop. Yeah, but it definitely looks like a tech startup with lots of uh, youngins, a lot mm -hmm. of computers, and just, it just. Ugh. Yes. The, <laughs> the head guy, the guy that's in charge, is sitting in his office uh, on the phone when we first see him. And yeah, he's a young looking bro guy. <laughs> um, and uh, he's talking on the phone, but he looks up when uh, the team comes in and, and Morgan is like, FBI, we have a warrant to search these premises. I like when Morgan gets to do action is yeah. Morgan's thing. If there's going to be some action, Morgan has to be involved. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I, I kind of understand why the whole team is here, because, OK, you don't know where it's going to lead. So you want the team together. Uh, for the most part, I mean, even though you don't have Reed and L, but you know, you didn't just send Morgan. You yeah. could have just sent Morgan, and then, but just in case, the, you know, the next step is still here. Everyone's there, but it did seem like a little much in terms of force. <laughs> yeah, well, if you're gonna, you know, fly the plane, I guess you don't want to fly just one person. So we could meet up with people out there, but let's bring the whole team except for, you yeah, know. I mean, you don't uh, want to fly one person only, you know, unless it's Reed's mom. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, boy. So, yeah, they bust into the office. They, they tell everybody they got warrants to search. And, a, and that young techie guy gets off this phone call. He's identified as the owner. And they tell him that they're going to take a look at his chat room databases. We cut back to Reed and L, who are reviewing the video. And L says that the walls to the room look padded. And Reed notes that the strange dimension, how strange the dimensions of the room are. It looks like a hallway, but somehow smaller. Um, but it's not a basement. Gilroy comes in and says, Katie just got us access to the original chat room's database. 
And I would say maybe Morgan did that, but okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so they bring it up on the screen and uh, Reed sighs and says, there must be thousands of screen names there, which I don't think he's sighing because they're all encrypted. I think he's sighing at the fact that there are all these sick people. That, uh, yes. Or at least that's I, how I, I took I, it. I, I would assume that's what it is. I mean, you know, and let's face it, look, there weren't any screen names on the document that he was looking at. There were IP addresses. Uh, <laughs> the IP addresses themselves weren't encrypted. Yeah. It was it, the, the what they saw did not match what Reed said. But OK, I can't blame I can't Reed for that. But like, it's just guys, you know, show me what you're saying. I, I just don't think they under, even, even right. understood what they were showing us, to be honest. Again, this is still the early days of technology. Right. and no one is, But like looking at it now, is going, those are IP addresses. Those aren't, those aren't screen names. Um, and do we even need this scene? No. We don't need this scene at all. You know, just, you know, all right, Al gets to say, oh, we just, we don't need all the names. We just need hugs. But at the top of the screen there, it says hugs. <laughs> so it's like, you've already found it. It's right there. Yes. <laughs> We cut back to the company in Cleveland and the owner is trying to make his brave little, you know, stand against the tyranny of the government saying they got to pollute the truest form of freest expression ever invented. And Katie tells Morgan to find a chat room of his choice, say that his name is Susie. He's 12 years old. And the owners are the owners like, what are you doing? And Cole says fishing. And he says, I've got rights and so do my clients. And Morgan types in as Susie and immediately, instantly, a bunch of messages come in and they're all making beeping noises when they each one comes in. And uh, Cole says, that's the sound of pedophiles looking to hook up with a 12 year old girl named Susie. You let them run everything through SSL connections from proxy servers in offshore countries. Morgan says, so they can't be identified. <laughs> Thanks, Morgan. <laughs> and Cole says, not in 12 and a half hours. And the owner is like, hey, I'm just the middleman here. What can I do? <laughs> Gideon says, there's a little boy for sale on one of your sites. What can I do? It just isn't good enough. I mean, I mean, fair. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, it's also a little unfair. I mean, does this guy really know what's going on? I mean, he should know. But if he's got as many rooms and things and data as he's got there, he probably doesn't know. So... Don't, don't hate on him because he provides an internet service so much. I mean, his uncooperative nature deserves all, this, all the ridicule. Absolutely. Once he, once he hears what's going on, he should just basically go, oh, hell yeah, I'll help you with anything. That, that, that's the right play there. But right. he's not doing anything. You know, it's like, it's like you know, we make a yeah. podcast. Does the, does the uh, software that, that records our podcast know what we're doing? No. <laughs> They'd have shut us down months ago if they knew. I was going to say, yeah, this would have been over. Yeah, I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> it's bad, but it's, you know, and, it, and again, they were, you know, look, looks like they were all talking in AOL IM. So it's like, uh, I think we got a copyright infringement, <laughs> some sort of intellectual property violation that you just mm -hmm. crib the code that creates AOL IMs on your, in your thing here. But <laughs> mm -hmm. So uh, next we cut to Garcia and she's saying that Katie was right. Hugs routed everything through an offshore proxy, and JJ is like, so we have no way of tracking him, and Garcia, first of all, it's Garcia, but uh, Garcia says, not if you only track him with his address, and JJ asks, well, what else do we have? And Garcia says, well, he used a basic encryption program to hide his payment method, and as you know, I'm anything but basic. 
She follows a credit card trail to get to a name, Graham Rose, 15 Hauser Lane, Richmond, Virginia. And Garcia says he used this same card to pay for a web domain. She goes to the site and it looks like another child porn site that she's she's hooked into so jj calls gideon to tell him yeah, what, this what gave that away the title of the site being young love <laughs> that might have been a <laughs> giveaway uh yeah i mean garcia clickety clickety clack when they when it's convenient for mm-hmm. her to clickety clickety clack right when we can <laughs> when it's when it helps move the plot along as at the pace we want it to move uh yes I, but, but i just literally she's like oh Hugs, you say. Well, his name is, and here's his address. Boom, see you guys. Uh, yes. She's not going to be that fast later in the episode. Uh, we'll get to it. Nope. <laughs> yep. We cut to our team pulling up to the address that uh, that they found. So I guess they've flown back from Cleveland back to Virginia already. Yeah, uh, I mean, okay. I'll, I'll, they have the plane. You know, I'll, yeah. I'll give them that. It, and we had a commercial break, so. <laughs> yeah. But this is when they could have used the stock shot of the jet flying Fly this way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Morgan gets to kick in the door. Of course. They do the old breach and clear on the home. And uh, the boy from the, the most recent site is actually upstairs. But he's got the camera set up, and actually, sadly, he appears to be a willing participant in whatever kind of uh, activity is going on there. And uh, when the FBI kicks in the door to tell him he's safe, we see the everybody sort of disconnecting from the stream. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I, I shouldn't laugh at that. It's not funny. It, it kind of is. It's just yeah. like, uh, oh, I do not want F- Freeze, FBI! Goodbye. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> I, I did. I did find it interesting that there were two separate accounts, and they were both named Cougar. <laughs> it's like there's no redundancy check on those account names. Oh yeah. So they ask the boy where Graham Rose is. The boy says he's gone. They ask if that was the boy's father. He's like, sure, you can call him that. I just call him bastard. Yeah, it was. It was actually a, the scene's a little bit longer than just a little bit longer than that, which made me laugh. It just it's like yeah. you know, he they barge in, and he's like. Gah! Guys, what'd you do that for? And like he he stands up. The the bound wrists was just something he did for the looks. He's not actually bound. He gets up and Hodge right. still is again. It's like, where is the man who did this to you? Like, really, Hodge? Really? There's no man, dude. Uh, yeah, Hodge is not usually that slow on the uptake. It, it, I just it's just very very weird weird vibe. Just the, the writing of this is clearly uh, a. Someone new to the staff, I would think, or at least a good portion of this episode was written by someone who didn't quite get the characters yet. But AJ, it's Sir Simon Mirren. He's written like Just four because episodes. his name is on it doesn't mean he did the first pass. <laughs> that's, that's true. That is true. So we cut back to the boy we'll call Peter in his uh, room of captivity. The camera still watching him outside of that creepy mask. Uh... <laughs> And he's talking to his toy soldier, and he's asking if he's, if it's scared, and do you think Won't he's you mad at us? Come out and play with me. <laughs> Sorry, you said toy soldiers. <laughs> I got it. Uh, anyway, back at the uh, house, the team is coming down the stairs, and and Hotch is saying that the father has been in jail for the last eight months. 
And in the, all that time, uh, this boy that they found, Kevin, has been selling the only thing he's got himself. He's just like a street hustler, but now the street is the internet and his client base spans the globe. So this kid is, has been doing that to make a living since his dad's gone. He's definitely uploaded Peter's video to the chat room. It's still on his computer, not the live feed itself, but the original video. And Kevin says he got this video from one of his clients. It was a shared file, and it, it goes around these type of chat groups. Cole says uh, that it's a buyer and seller's routine. They trade files because the act itself is an illegal act, which can prove then that they are not police, apparently. I guess they go with that. I don't see why it couldn't I, well, still be the police, but I, yeah, I, I mean, because the, of laws, I, I, I don't suppose. think the police are allowed to do anything outright illegal. Uh, so it's just this mutually assured destruction. You give me, you give me the files, and then therefore, you know, you're, you're just as in trouble as I am. I mean, at least that's a belief of that. It's, it's not. It's right. not so much to the. It makes more sense than are you a cop? You got to tell me if you're a cop. <laughs> it's not to that level. It's like yeah, a cop can't actually. The police can't sell, uh, send child porn because that would be entrapment. Yeah, that, that would be that would be entrapment. I think. So they uh, go back to talk to Kevin and Morgan tries to reason with him, saying that the uh, boy who's in this video you've been sending around is going to be sold from one pedophile to the other. And Kevin is like, boo hoo. Uh, Cole, or I'll call her Katie. I guess she doesn't like to be called Cole. She is, says uh, she's trying to log into his files to read the transcript, transcript but she needs a password. He won't give it to them. And they say, look, we're trying to help you. And he says, well, what I do is consensual. No one gets hurt. He's not going to give up the password. And Morgan tells him this is basically prostitution. And and he goes into some sort of smart alecky commentary that he's a minor. And I'm just an unfrozen caveman lawyer. Uh, ah, this world scares me and frightens me. <laughs> very much that kind of tone there. Like, oh, woe is me. I don't understand yeah. the world of crime. <laughs> yeah. This actor is familiar to me, by the way. I don't, I don't, uh, he's, he's played the kid in several things. I, I didn't, didn't look him up, but he does look familiar. Hold that thought. We'll get to it. Okay. Um, he also says that he never leaves the room, so no one ever actually touches him. And Gideon is looking at some, uh, I guess, bruises on him and says, so no one touches you anymore. Uh, and then he goes in about how his father beat him. No one helped him. Uh, now Kevin has the chance to save someone. He can't get his own father, but he can get to the guy that's hurting this boy. And uh, I guess a little bit of Gideon magic is all it took. He tells Katie to move out of the way. She does. And he clickety clacks into his transcripts, uh, saying that the screen name for the guy they're looking for who sent the file is Metavis. Metavis. Metivas is how he pronounces it. Metivas. 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 Yeah, I, I do like he turns into like that... Uh... The Jimmy Fallon character from SNL. Move! I'll fix it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I'm actually stunned that Hotch is like, no, no, what, what, what are you doing? Where are you going? <laughs> yeah. Because he's just oh, not himself Hutch. today. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. So we've, we've got a name. We've got Medivas is our, is our unsub. So. Mm-hmm. Hooray. <laughs> we, yeah, yeah, we got him. 
we cut back to uh, the boy, Peter. He's asking the camera if he can hear him. Can he please get out anytime soon, please? Elle is watching the live stream. She says he has food, water, a toilet, and some toys. And uh, Gilroy says, well, he never has to leave that room. And Reed says, oh, that's it. It's not a room. A room, even a prison cell, has a door. There's no windows, so he can't be seen. And the walls are padded, so he can't be heard. The unsub is scared. He's anticipating becoming a suspect. And Elle says, so he's hidden the boy. And Gilroy asks, if there's no doors, how do you get the boy into the room? And Elle says, it's like a ship in a bottle. He's built the room around the boy. Okay. Uh, again, we don't need this scene. It really doesn't. The, the kid's being held captive, whether there's a door or not. The kid's being held captive. That's all that matters. Like, I, I, this never ends up really being important. That it, that, that it, you know, because the room, the room is somewhere. <laughs> we still have to find right. it somewhere. And despite have not having a door, I would still call it a room. It's a, yeah, it's you're a, in something. <laughs> it's a right? windowless room. Sure, I'll grant you that. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it could be a basement. <laughs> like, it, like I don't, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. I really don't. I mean, th- we also don't have like a, I don't recall seeing 360 camera angles in this thing. It, it's one static camera from from up above, and one I guess. I guess there's an above and there's a close-up. The door could be under the close-up. I mean, camera is like, really? Boo, boo, boo. (laughs) So uh, back at at Kevin's house, they're asking about his client, Metivas. He appears, apparently he's located somewhere locally because he's always asking Kevin to meet him. But, you know, Kevin says he doesn't do that. And the... Medibus does not know where Kevin li- lives. He does know the city. They want to help him. They want Kevin to help them so that they can find and save Peter. They ask him to set up a face-to-face. Kevin says he doesn't want to do that. He's never been out of that room. They promise him they'll protect him. And he says, won't uh, he be suspicious if all of a sudden he wants to meet this guy when he didn't before? And it's I'm not like, that's that, true. But won't he be suspicious when my room was just raided by the FBI? <laughs> On camera, yeah, and I several mean, he people clicked he on. Wasn't in the room. Yeah, granted, there was no Medivas in the room at the time, but they've already said that these this is a close knit community, and words you know word spreads fast, and like red flags. I, I it's a good question mm-hmm. and a good answer. We get a good answer actually. Yes, Katie says that he's a need driven offender. Gideon says they if he offers to meet him, this guy won't be able to resist. He can't help himself. And I'll say, I'll say, not only is it true, I mean, I don't know whether it's because uh, they did a really good job of explaining or we just have seen these types of things so, so much. When when Katie started talking, I wrote, he won't be able to resist. And then Gideon's next line of dialogue is he won't be able to resist. I get it. Like, it, this is how you write these shows. <laughs> After a while, it does become like, huzzah, I know exactly what you're going to say. Yes. So we cut to a, a middle-aged to, to slightly older, maybe looking bearded man sitting at a computer. I would say maybe he looks sophisticated, but that was just my impression of him. Maybe that's just the classical music that's being played in the background. <laughs> you know what? Yes, those subtle, those subtle things give us an image. And uh, he's sitting at a computer and all of a sudden he gets his chat message from Hugs. And it says, Metavis, Metavis? Miss you, F2F today, FTF today. 
with the two and then D-A-Y, like he's Prince writing. Leet speak. In, in, <laughs> yeah. So then we cut back to Elle talking to Gilroy. And she tells Elle that the pictures look different when they first got them a year ago. He was in a normal looking room. And Elle figures something must have changed. Some stressor that caused him to lock uh, the boy away. And Reed is looking at the stream and calls them over. And Gilroy notices how he's looking off camera and it's like someone is telling him what to do. And they figure that it's probably a, a bidder at the auction who, who want him to do something specific, like wear something specific. Meanwhile, speaking of wearing something specific, Garcia is recognizing the type of shirt that the boy on uh, has on. Uh, she says it's a tadpole shirt, which is apparently a wilderness group, a.k.a. a la the Cub Scouts, yeah, something like that. Yeah, but she can't say it. She clearly is not allowed to say that we're not allowed to put in the script even a reference to even hint that this is related to the Cub Scouts yeah. or Boy Scouts because this is an episode about pedophilia and they don't want their name anywhere near this episode. They don't want any lawsuits. She goes, you know, she's like, you know tenty stuff and building fires and yeah. you know you like the boy scouts it's all she has to say and the fact that she won't say it means that, that legally they couldn't say it. <laughs> right hey man you gotta be careful uh, when you're putting this stuff out you don't want to get on the wrong end of some kind of suit but yeah that must be what it was and uh JJ, of course, is able to have her enhance the image. Even before that, which uh, uh, Garcia and I'm this normally I don't go ahead and spoil things for what we're going to see in future seasons. But Gar Garcia says, I have four brothers, JJ. They all had that shirt. Let mm -hmm. me tell you, by the time we get Garcia's full backstory, she does not have four brothers. This is a completely only for this <laughs> line and they never went back to it or they, she does not have four brothers at all shame 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 and they'd be and they'd be stepbrothers if that because we established that she had stepparents the, the previous episode mm -hmm. that is that the is true inconsistencies are astounding <laughs> well if you last 15 seasons oh but they hit this inconsistency long before 15 let me tell you that <laughs> right. okay i'm just saying right. that the writer's room does not necessarily pay attention to these little lines that they throw in there there's no one with a bible to say this is what we've said about this let's keep this consistent they they, they just move and okay do, look it's season two already and we still don't have a name for hoshner's kid <laughs> you think they, they they pay attention to the details why you got to remind me that, man? <laughs> I was, I didn't even think about it this week. I was, <laughs> damn it. I still don't know the Hotch baby's name. All right. All right. Okay. Yes. So, <laughs> yes. We do the, the thing that they always do in these things where JJ says, hey, enhance that video to make it clearer, which. Right. No. <laughs> but anyway, apparently there was a, a badge that was torn off the shirt. But somehow they can still see the images. It appears to be a four-digit number. It appears to start with three and end with six. Garcia gets to work on trying to figure out what the registered number could be because that way they could identify where the troop is located. And here's again where the writers really drop the ball because Garcia then says four digits ending in a six. That's 999 possible combinations. No, it's four digits with a three at the beginning. Right. And six at the end, that's 99 same. possible combinations. 
Same thing, AJ. I didn't I didn't go, oh, that's 99. But I said, wait, you have, she gave you the three, didn't she? Uh, did she not? And she starts uh, to clickety-clack, like clickety-clack, clickety-clack. And, oh, I, I, can, I can pull off this credit card uh, tracker in like 10 seconds, but 99 numbers is going to take me about an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, girl, just do your Excel functions. No. Jeez. Oh, this is, it just annoys me because Garcia is not this stupid garcia is brilliant and they just completely haven't dropped the ball on this one you have a three she said a three we saw the three and we're gonna come back to this you're gonna see the three (laughs) (laughs) so uh meanwhile we find out that the other team is headed to alexandria reed is telling l they want they want them to look up an address and tell them what's there gilroy tells them that the address is right outside an elementary school and l L L. she's like, oh, that's 30 minutes away. So she gets up, starts to head out, even though she's already heard the other team is headed there. Uh, Reed says, hey, she's not supposed to go out. And L is like, don't even try it, Reed. So bad L, bad L. Bad, bad L. <laughs> but, and he's just like, Big, but, 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 but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, know who's, she knows who she's with. Uh, <laughs> the one member of the team who won't push back. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Then we cut to a school and we see our creepy old, older bearded guy uh, from before walking across the schoolyard, past several children, walks to the front, and uh, there's Kevin standing there. Kevin confirms that he's Medivas, and the creep says his friends call him Hayden. Oh yeah, he he does creepy so well. This guy, this yeah. I, I don't remember the actor's name and didn't look it up, but he is he has a short uh, arc on Angel. I'm doing an Angel rewatch right now, and he uh, he's uh, the second guy who takes over at Wolfram and Hart, the evil uh, lawyer agency, mm-hmm. and he is deliciously evil in that as well. So he plays this this type of role very well. Too well. Uh, he kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, oh why I'm now I can't even think of his name uh, from uh, Family Ties the dad oh Michael Gross yeah Michael Gross but not exactly but a little bit of, yeah I like see, Michael I Gross see. could play this kind of creep I oh think. absolutely I, I'm totally with you <laughs> so anyway he says something like oh you're even taller in person I, it's just ugh, creepy yeah, yeah and creepy enough to give. Kevin, the heebie-jeebies, and he basically takes off, and and Medibus calls after him, calling, and he actually calls out the name Hugs, which is also creepy. Um, but that's uh, that's evidence. Then the rest of the team swoops in to arrest him. Morgan is about to rough him up. Katie tells him that it's easy. Take it easy, Morgan. They need to ask him some questions. And here's my spoiler, I guess, not a spoiler. Hotch is looking at his ID and says, yeah, here's a question. What's the principal of a school doing hooking up with a 14-year-old boy? Yeah, and we're going to go commercial on this one here. You know, I will say the staging of the scene was really bad because there is a very obvious FBI guy with with the earpiece in who's just wearing an orange vest. And he's like standing like... Three steps to the to the right <laughs> of hugs this whole time, and even when the principal looks over, like he, he, he's like, "Oh, I'm, I'm not looking at you. No, no, no. Mind my own business. Just a guy in an orange vest standing outside an elementary yeah. school, two steps away." And the worst thing is, is when they say basically, "Go in, go in, go in." 
he's not the first one there. <laughs> yeah, yeah why, why isn't he? Yeah, he should definitely be the first I mean, one there, on. and then Morgan should like say, "I got it, I got it," or something. But like, what a slow, slow react on this this extra. <laughs> and so we find out that Hotch is going to take Kevin back to the field office in Alexandria. At this point, though, Elle and Reed drive up, and Elle says, oh, you already got him. And Hotch says, I thought I told you to stay out of the field. And Elle immediately tries to sell Reed out and claim that uh, he said that they wanted us here. And Reed almost violently reacts with, no, I didn't. Almost childlike, AJ. <laughs> exactly. And his reaction. Um, and Hotch is like, I believe Reed, basically. <laughs> I know you yeah, didn't. Yeah, I mean, it, and, was uh, so, it was so interesting to see it. Uh, L throw Reed under the bus so quickly and it made sense there were about three or four school buses right there for her to throw him under <laughs> she had her pick <laughs> yes Hotch says you know what the school district has given us permission to go ahead and search Principal Rawlings office so he's going to send L and Reed there uh, L and Reed search the principal's office and they note how he has such access how much access he has to kids uh, he has a library of child psychology. Apparently, he's got a doctorate in it. Elle says he's a well-prepared pedophile. And Reed says, uh, you notice anything missing? Elle says, computer. And they find a locked drawer. Elle pulls out a switchblade, basically, to, <laughs> to jimmy the lock. And Reed says, did they uh, teach you that at FBI school? Which I thought was funny. And she says, no, they taught me that in Brooklyn. Because she is tough. And... Uh, <laughs> They start to empty the contents of the drawer. Apparently, what they found there was a laptop. I couldn't tell from from the camera work it, there, yeah, it, but it looked like it looked like uh, a laptop that was inside a carrying case, one of those yeah. padded Targus type carrying cases. So you, you didn't see that it was it was a bag, but it's clearly a computer sized bag from that era. Uh, so we we go to the next scene, and AJ, my I, immediately I'm like, all right, they swoop in. And arrest this principal. And then they they just take him back through the school. Like I I guess I guess they wanted him to be there at the school. I just it doesn't seem to me like once they do that, once they there's people that are gonna see from the that are playing outside and outside, people are gonna know what's going on. But I would have thought that they would have taken him immediately to wherever they take people that they are going to arrest, rather than bring him back I, I to the scene of the crime. <laughs> So to speak. I think the point of this is is that in addition to what what, what uh, Katie Cole had said was that they need him to cooperate. So I think they want to create the illusion that he could still get off and not go and be arrested. So they bring him in. That he's not he's not handcuffed or anything. He's detained, but he's not arrested. And I think they're trying to play off of that. Plus, they need they need to get into that computer. So I I think they're. They still want him on site to maybe, you know, see Gage's reactions to stuff. So they are escorting a bunch of the kids out. So they're trying to limit his exposure to children at this point. Uh, the school day has been canceled. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be clear. Something is going so, on. <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I don't mind that he's there. And quite frankly, he still thinks he can get away with it because he makes a valid point. The one valid point he does make is like, what are you going to arrest me for? All I did was take a walk outside my school. Which technically is all he did and it's all they have on him right now. Uh, he could come up with a, an excuse like, oh, Kevin, he was a student here like 10 years ago. Like there, there's a way or, you know, I've seen him in the neighborhood. There's a way he could get out of that. 
if that's all they had. We know that's not all they have, but, you know, he's still thinking to get it away. So, yeah, yeah I, I could see keeping him in, in his safe place and not take him down to the station where he'll just shut down and lawyer up. Yeah, good point. Uh, so they escort him uh, in the school. He wants to know what he's being charged with. Morgan is Morgan is still a little uh, antagonistic. Uh, he says, anything I can stick you with. Principal Rowling says he hasn't done anything. And like you said, he just walked outside his school. Katie shows him a picture of Peter and Rawlings says, well, how could anyone hurt something so dot, dot, dot. And Gideon says, pure, you sent this image to Kevin. And uh, he says, well, that was wrong of me. I, I know, but I was I was so shocked. I wanted I wanted to try to save this poor boy. I thought hugs. Kevin might know him. Uh, <laughs> That's why it's I sent every time. Every time he yeah. says hugs, it's just like Ugh. yeah. That's why I sent him the link to the website. See if he knew about this. And Morgan is all, please. You were trying to save him. And Gideon tells Morgan, you know, he can tell Morgan is is getting ready to like maybe kill this guy at any moment. <laughs> so he sends him off to uh, work with with uh, Reed and L. And he walks in to join Reed and L. And he wants to know. If they got anything that they can nail this guy on. And uh, Reed says, no, not unless we can break the password on this guy's computer. Morgan suggests they call Garcia. But for some reason, Elle says, well, that would take too long. Morgan tells Reed then in that case to do something genius like. They say they have to be careful, though, because if they enter a wrong password, it could trigger a virus that could wipe out the hard drive. So uh, they ask Morgan what Rawlings, Rawlings is saying, and Morgan says that he's a preferential pedophile who claims that he's trying to save them. And the phrase save them sets Reed off, and he sits down and, and he grabs a piece of paper and has marker, and he writes on it, save them. But he writes it in a big way, and he holds it up against the window. And the people outside the room can see, including Gideon and, and Medivas. But it turns out, save them is Medivas spelled backwards. That's what we get. Which, quite frankly, I noticed immediately. Uh, probably because I've seen the episode a bunch of times. But even so, it's just, it's just something I, you know, I noticed were, were things like that. But Reed would have noticed this so much yeah. longer ago. I mean, didn't didn't he get Sir Neef and do some mental gymnastics? Mm -hmm. Just last week, <laughs> and spin letters or oh, anagrams and spinning in his head, and this is just hey, look, Metavas, it saved them backwards. Like he would have nailed that in two seconds, as opposed to wait a second, Metavas, Metavas, yeah. first time Metavas comes up, he's he's mm -hmm. got it. Especially once he sees the spelling, because he would have said, "Why is there an H there?" Something like that, and 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 did it in his head, like well, he, you said, yeah, uh, instant. I, I I yeah, I get it. He wasn't in the room when they first looked it up. But, you know, hugs, they, they pass the information around. I mean, they got to communicate with each other and say, yeah, the guy's name is Medivas. Oh, could you spell that? Oh, it saved them backwards. Like, two seconds. This would not have been a reveal scene yep. here. So, again, just boo, <laughs> boo, boo. We cut back to uh, JJ Garcia. They're analyzing the clue <sighs> still. And all of a sudden, I don't know how they didn't notice it before, but. Thank you. <laughs> but uh, they noticed the word mount. So that not could have did, helped them. Yeah. Not only did they look when they can you enhance that? Yeah. Oh, look, it looks like a three blank blank six there. Let's look and see if there's any other identifying markers on this thing. Right there. there. Oh, look, there's a mount. No, 
it, it took them all this time to try it. And again, what is the method here? I'll look up, I'll cross-reference all of the thousands and thousands of possibilities to mount. And this is, let's see, 1333. Three, three. Well, that's it. It doesn't, one blank blank six. No, no. You know it starts, it starts at three. three. One, that's no good. Yes. Two, that's no good. Hey, three, four, four, six. That's in Virginia. Bing, bing, bing. Like it. Oh, Mount Pleasant, Virginia. Mount. <laughs> Hello. Like they could have, they could have found this out so much without going into oh, we found Mount and everything like that. They could have said, hey, three blank blank six. How many of them are in Virginia? Just one. <laughs> Done. <laughs> ah, bad writing. Bad writing. Boo, boo, boo. We cut back to the school, and uh, they present Rawlings with his laptop, and he looks nervous when he sees it and starts claiming, it's research, it's just research. He's writing a book, and Morgan gets a call from Garcia. He walks out of the room. L tells Rawlings to, to sit down. He's in front of his laptop, and he, again, starts just swearing that it's research. And Katie says, it's not research. It's 100 years in a federal penitentiary. And now, all of a sudden, he says he wants to make a deal. That was that was actually a, that was actually a very good line. I, I enjoyed that line immensely. Like the, the writing of this episode mm-hmm. is not very good, but that one in particular was 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 pretty well done. <laughs> Gideon says, uh, "No deals, buddy. All you have is a very, very, very small amount of goodwill." Katie says, "Tell me about Peter." Rawlings says he was contacted by the man who's holding him. He didn't search out this boy. It's not him. Uh, all he knows that he can give them is the screen name of who I'll call our unsub. Uh, it's Manchild. Ugh. Ugh. Uh, yeah. They a- ask if he's bid on Peter, and Rawlings admits that he bidded $8,000, but again, it was only to save him. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. He's apparently the high bidder, but he's supposed to go back online to contact him to get the address. So they ask him for the code that he was given to make the contact, because apparently that's what happens in these cases. He again just starts saying, hey, this child is being auctioned off and I'm just trying to save him. Come on, I have a family. I love children. <laughs> and... Katie says, yeah, and in your pursuit to save them, you think you could have avoided having sex with them? <sighs> I just, that was all cringeworthy, AJ. <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's zero way that you can elicit any sympathy for people like this. And yeah. that's, that's the hard thing. Because a lot of times in these episodes, you kind of can at least understand why the unsub is the way they are and maybe like, okay, circumstance, you know, Oh, you know, I, I have no money, so I have to steal. Okay. I, I can, I can, I can get that. Like, you know, I was abused and I abuse, I can't help myself. Okay. I mean, sure. At least I can yeah. understand a little bit of sympathy for you, but like, I want to save these kids. No, 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 you know, no, no. <laughs> And no. Yeah. You know how you save them, AJ? You call the police. And you call some authorities. Oh, I know. <laughs> um, anyway. Oh, my gosh. I was doing some research. You could even do- I was doing some research for this article on this, on, that I'm writing, this book I'm writing, on, and, I'm, I should, and this came my way. Please save this guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
So uh, Rawlings gives in. He gives them the code. It's butterfly. So Katie starts typing in as uh, pretending she's metaverse into the chat window. No one is going to outbid me, she types. I'd like to see my friend now. We cut to the room uh, very briefly, and Peter is asking when he can come out. Again, saying that he's been a good boy. The unsub tells him to shut up, and then he has a news report on that is detailing the arrest of Rawlings. It shows stock the camera footage of them escorting him back to the school, which is why I was kind of upset that they didn't just take him away, because now this thing is on the news, and the reporters have all kind of information. Yeah, but they they would have they would eh, they would have had footage of him somewhere. You know, if they're if they're that, I did. You know, you close the school down early. All it takes is one parent to call the the, the media or to uh, have one parent yes. be the media. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 yeah, this is gonna get out. Uh, so the, you, and JJ's not there, so she can't squelch this immediately because she's not on site. I get it. What you know, what happens next, of course, is that the guy sees the report and says, "Oh, hello, Agent Cole." Figuring out that that must be. What's going on here? And he shuts the site down, which makes total sense for him. Uh, why the, shi- the site gets shut down and suddenly Garcia's office starts beeping, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> she must have set her shut down. If that site shuts down alarm. Uh, makes yeah. no sense. No sense at all. The, the beeping for, for a basically uh, a 404 yeah. error. <laughs> Exactly. And Garcia's like, no! Uh, (laughs) JJ's like, what happened? And Garcia says that he cut off the entire feed. Morgan comes in saying, well, they've got these reporters outside the school. This thing is all over the news. Katie says, oh my God, that's why the site went down. He knows. We get some, a little bit of camera trickery, which is flashing between Gideon looking pensive and Peter in his room looking scared and, uh, Take that moment to cut to a break. We uh, break come back. Yep, we come back, and Morgan and uh, L and Reed are in a car. Morgan is saying that if Garcia says that that tadpole shirt came from a unit in Mount Pleasant, then he believes her. Reed says she better be right because Mount Pleasant is sixty miles away, and there's only two hours left on the auction clock. I wonder if they're driving at at 30 miles an hour or something, but, you know. Well, you know, and on top of that, it's like, okay, but even if she's wrong, you don't have any other leads at this point, so right. what what difference does it make? If she's not mm-hmm. right, then we don't know where to go. <laughs> so, go. Yep, and as L points out, uh, if the unsub happens to think that they're on to him, he may move the clock up on that auction. So, so drive faster, L. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Come on, Al. We cut to another car and uh, Gideon, Hotch and Katie are in there. And Gideon is asking Katie if she thinks this guy is going to panic. She says, maybe it depends on his comfort level. Uh, Maybe as we're getting close to auction time, he might figure that he can wait it out. And she says, I know one thing. I can't lose Peter again. And Hotch says, well, let's hope JJ just bought us some time. So we cut then to JJ, who is talking to a media contact of hers, and she's asking them to put out a fake broadcast, uh, hoping that they can bluff the unsub into believing that they're searching in another locale, which is smart. 
they know he's listening to the news. Good, good thinking. I'm assuming. I'm assuming because it's good thinking. I'm assuming this was JJ's idea. Exactly. From the get-go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we cut to the uh, news report going, and the unsub is pacing back and forth, listening to it. And the report is saying that they're doing a door-to-door search in the Alexandra Alexandria area. The unsub listens, and apparently, this report is convincing it enough that they're that they've got the details wrong. That he decides that he can start the auction back up. I mean, he needs his eight thousand dollars, so I, I get that. Uh, here's the, here's the thing, though. Uh, this this media is pretty bad because JJ says. We're looking for a kid about four feet tall. And they report immediately, we're looking for a kid. He's believed to be about three feet tall. And I might, I wouldn't even have caught it except the scenes are back to back there. She's like, he's four feet mm-hmm. tall. Can you get it out? Great. Three feet tall. <laughs> it's like, great, guys. Yeah. I, 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 I know that she told the media that they were telling a lie. Maybe the media took it into her own hands to lie even further to looking for be yeah. helpful and throw them off the side. Yeah, she but could explain it better. On. Like, yeah, the key thing here is say Alexandria, <laughs> right? Uh, and again, that all assumes that the Mount Pleasant thing is the what's right. Because if they're wrong and he isn't Alexandria, they're, they're like really, Ugh. yeah. Mm. Mm. But anyway, the auction's back on. JJ's on the phone telling Hotch, uh, but now they only have an hour until the auction closes. We cut to Hotch explaining what's happened to Gideon and Katie. He's telling them that uh, their unsub believed the fake news story. They only have an hour, and Gideon says, well, the tadpoles are affiliated with a church, so when they get to Mount Pleasant, Ellen Morgan should go to the church. Because, you know, when you're dealing with a pedophile case, <laughs> I'm just saying. If, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. So in the meantime, they'll go to the school. Uh, maybe Peter is registered there. And Katie is feeling guilty because she gave up looking for Peter. And there were so many other kids. And she's just feeling real bad. She says, have you ever asked yourself how you can make a decision like that? How we can come to the conclusion that it's time to move on to the next kid? How do you give yourself that kind of permission? And what what must have happened to this boy in the year since she stopped looking for him? I think Gideon tries to comfort her, but I don't think he's very helpful there. It's it, This is just to give us these feelings. Yeah, again, we're trying to get to know her better. And maybe maybe it's just because what she's going through kind of mirrors a little bit Gideon's state of mind from the past few episodes where he's fed up and can't do it anymore and all is lost. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's showing that just after a certain amount of time, everybody feels that way Uh, because she's an original BAU person too. So I don't know. Maybe maybe it's Mm -hmm. a mirror. (laughs) Good. I'll buy that for a dollar. So then we cut to a, a church. Ellen and Morgan are talking to a priest. This priest was not played by uh, Tim Meadows, but he could have been for some reason. <laughs> um, but anyway, sorry. Uh, he doesn't. This priest does not rec- recognize the picture of Peter. He does say that the tadpole shirt is theirs. However, unfortunately, this group uh, disbanded apparently six months ago before he took over the congregation because there was a lack of interest. They only had a few boys in the group. Uh, He doesn't have any records of people who participated. 
But then he figures, oh, wait a minute. Maybe I think I have a fold, uh, a photo of the tadpoles. And meanwhile, we cut to the Fairview Elementary School. And Gideon is asking a woman, school administrator, principal, I don't know, but a woman there, if she recognizes the boy. <laughs> this guy, this boy's, his appearance apparently may have been altered. Uh, he would have been a first or second grade student. She doesn't really seem to recognize him, but she'll check her records. Then we go back to the church and the priest has a photo of the tadpoles. And again, they don't have any records that he can show them of who's in this group. The place was not well ran that well before he got there. Apparently, once he got there, everything <laughs> it was now up to chip top shape. But he doesn't have any records. Uh, there's only three kids in the picture. And Elle makes the brilliant idea of uh, looking, taking out the photo and seeing that there are names written on the back of it. Yeah. And th- thank goodness that it's only the first names, because otherwise we could have solved this a little faster. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's only the first names, as you say. Uh, But apparently Peter, his actual name is Charlie, maybe. Uh, (laughs) But that's the name on the back of the photo. Back at the school, the woman is showing Katie and Gideon and Hotch a list of all the kids that are registered for the second grade. Hotch is like, wow, that's a lot of names. And Gideon says, "Uh, well, what about the kids who didn't register? Were there any first graders who didn't register for the second grade. And the woman says, well, she imagines there might've been some transfers. She looks at the records and say, yes, there were two transfers, Ashley Waters and Charlie Sparks. Katie says, Charlie Sparks. And Gideon asks uh, if it says where Charlie's records went. She looks at her records and says, uh, oh, his father picked them up. They ask her if she can describe the father. She says, no. And she's still looking down when she says this. And meanwhile, Hotch has already said thank you. And they bounce and leave the office. And the woman is still looking down her records and still talking until she looks up and, and realizes that they're, they've already gone. Yeah, you know, uh, I do like the fact that they make this woman completely unhelpful and oblivious. But at the same time, I mean, <laughs> I, I had a laugh at like Gideon's like, uh, uh, yeah, so these are the records of all the people who rolled for second grade. Can you? Give us a list of all the people who didn't enroll for second grade. <laughs> like, like, excuse me? <laughs> uh, I meant yeah. who... Hodge, Hodge is like, no, no. The first graders who didn't... like. I, I, I like how Hodge has, had to talk Gideon and translate. But it was just kind of, it was just kind of right there. Right. I, I prefer a list of everybody else and, in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm glad that they didn't say, oh, well, here's six names. They, they just had two names and one was a girl so that they could immediately just say oh charlie okay i was happy enough with that i didn't need to see them spend more time with (laughs) this administrator figuring out who who it could be we then cut back to the uh, live stream and it appears we're about out of time because it's like at 55 seconds when we cut back the team has reunited with each other at some random area and they're confirming that they haven't found any sparks in any of the phone directories and Garcia couldn't even find a Sparks located within 100 miles for the last 10 years. So they figure it's probably not the real name anyway. The school says that they may have moved away. And so that basically means they have to start over again. And Reed says, guys, I mean, maybe we're looking at this wrong, the wrong way. This behavior, it's, it's odd, right? Our unsub apparently listed this kid in school and the, te- and the t- tadpoles until like a year ago. 
And at that point, he had pictures of him online in a regular looking room. But now he's in a prison like room with no windows and no doors completely hidden. Preferential pedophiles don't change overnight. So what happened a year ago to make him change his behavior so much? And Gideon says, fear. Katie almost caught him. You probably talked to him. The unsub is in your records. Uh, we see the auction clock count down to zero and a message comes up that the auction is over. We cut back to Morgan who says, guys, we just ran out of time and it goes to a commercial break. Which, again, it's a little on the nose. I mean, yes, the auction is over, but that doesn't mean they ran out of time. I, I don't know why. Are, are they not monitoring his room still because it's back up? Do they not try and clickety-clack with Garcia to come in and go, oh, so-and-so was contacted with him. And like, I know they can't trace it perfectly, but they, can't they monitor the activity in the room somehow or figure something out? I don't know. It just, it's a little too, oh, well, episode's over. We lost. <laughs> kind of defeatist attitude there. Like, <laughs> it, 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 just guys, auction's over. That, that would have been fine. Like, you know, we may be too late. Like, mm-hmm. not, we're out of time. Let's pack it in. Let's go home. <laughs> <laughs> yep, let's go. Let's go to to Hotch's brother's restaurant. Let's go somewhere. <laughs> um, we come back to the unsub's house, and I, I I'm fearful for a second when I see him look under his couch and he grabs this big ass hammer, um, like I mean like a construction hammer, and he goes to the wall and okay he starts hammering it. Because apparently he did build this room around the boy. I'm still a little curious how he got food in there if he has to, like, hammer the wall down. But I guess he must have just had a small something that he could, you know, feed him with. Um, he's, he's, he, yeah, he's a big Peter Gabriel fan. He just... <laughs> gotta uh, be a sledgehammer. Yeah. 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 The boy starts screaming when uh, he starts hammering the wall. He's like, Dad, Dad, Dad. I mean, I'd be scared, too. I, granted, yeah. you know, I haven't been in that situation and hope to never be. But, uh, yeah, it, it's got to be terrifying for a small child. We cut back to the team and Katie saying she never really had a good suspect. She only did some general interviews with some child offenders on the East Coast. Hot says one of them was the right guy. So Katie calls Gilroy, asks her to pull out all of her original files on, on Peter's case from her office. She needs the names of everyone that she interviewed. And Morgan tells Katie to have her call Penelope Garcia at BAU, and she'll be able to tell them if they can cross anybody off the list. We cut to Gilroy on the phone with Garcia, searching through Katie's office. <laughs> she she finds the file. She starts reading the names to Garcia. I, I mean, again, we uh, could we could we could we could pick up the pace a little bit here. It just can't can't wait. She's just like, <laughs> okay, I got the file, and you're on the phone, Garcia. Great, let's go. Like, oh, where is it? Where is it? Where is this file? <laughs> Hang on. Oh, I got you. Oh, you still there? Okay, the first name, the second name. No. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Oh, good, good. Two weeks in a row now with one of these phone scenes. <laughs> So uh, we cut to the unsub. He's putting on some shades and a cap and he's leaving his home and he's got a large cooler in tow, uh, which doesn't bode well, or at least it didn't to me, uh, that he has this large, large cooler. And I'm assuming that Charlie is in there and I'm uh, hoping for the best. I'm calling him Charlie now. Apparently that isn't his name, and his name is not Peter, but uh, we'll get anyway. There. <laughs> <laughs> we, 
We cut to Morgan. He's getting some info from Garcia. He thanks her, hangs up, and goes to tell the team that they probably have something. They have 12 men that were interviewed. Eight are back in prison. One is dead. One lives in California. And um, there are two that have last known addresses within 10 minutes of where they are. One of them is Patrick Forrest, and one of them is Michael Earlson. And Katie says Patrick Forrest isn't smart enough to put all this together. They ask her, what about Michael Earlson? She says, definitely. We see our unsub putting uh, his cooler in the back of, his, of an SUV, and he starts to pull out of his driveway. A siren rings out, and the police and BAU surround his car. He starts to run. Morgan gets to sort of tackle stop him. Yeah, he tackle stops him. This it's a weird slow mo. Yeah, kind of thing there. I, just, I didn't understand why it suddenly kind of went. You and I got you. <laughs> and Morgan is like, "Where you going? What's up? Who's up now, punk? Don't move." Uh, <laughs> and so I, I am happy that still Morgan got <laughs> his action scene. Katie runs over to the SUV. She sees the cooler in the back and opens it. And yes, the boy is in there and he is alive. He starts screaming for his dad. She starts to comfort the boy. He's still screaming for his dad. Where's daddy? Katie is saying, you're safe now. I got you. I got you. He's still screaming for his dad. And Katie just says, I know, I know. Uh, it's 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 heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking mm-hmm. uh, to see this. And, you know, this is... As we'll learn, this is the only father he knows. So it's just like, it's horrible that he was treated this way uh, to begin with. Uh, a, few, a few minor things in this, the whole arrest sequence. Uh, they do a really poor job of dressing up this car to make it look like it's a Virginia car. Because when she goes to open the trunk, you can see the Virginia plate is on top of another plate, which is clearly the California plate that they just kind of screwed this on without taking the old one off. So that was that was lame. And when he starts the car up, he puts on the radio and it goes right to K-Rock FM, which is an L.A. station. It's like, come on, guys, just try harder. He doesn't have to put on the radio. There's no reason for for the radio in this scene. And if you're going to do it, don't show that it's an L.A. station. Just boo, 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 boo. Yeah, uh, he had a satellite radio, AJ, and he he just loved K-Rock because... Yeah, Sirius XM uh, on the move, you're right. Early adopters, way <laughs> early. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut to a bit later, Katie is in an interrogation room with our unsub. She whispers something into his ears. She's like, tell him to... She tells him to think about it. Katie comes out. She tells them that... Peter's real name is Dustin Powers. Dustin Powers. So the clearly we have a Saved by the Bell fan in the room. Because <laughs> Dustin Diamond played Samuel Screech Powers. Dustin Powers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I fully expect uh, other combinations from sitcoms to come. <laughs> Arnold Coleman. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. He was uh, apparently abducted in Newark, New Jersey, when he was one year old. Gideon says, sometimes it seems that there's no punishment enough. I agree with him wholeheartedly. Yeah, he... Morgan says he just, that he, he just leaves. Yeah. He's just he's just forlorn. He just, just, just leaves. Just can't, can't even be in the room anymore. Yeah. 
Morgan says that JJ was uh, able to trace Dustin's mother. She's on her way. Hotch goes to Katie and basically consoles her, tells her no one's ever done the job she's doing as long as she's been doing it. She says, I know. And Hotch says, well, maybe it's time to get out. And she says she doesn't even know if she can anymore. Gideon walks in. They're with Dustin's mother now. She is saying she just can't thank them all enough. Gideon says, remember what I told you. He doesn't know who you are. You can say hello, but don't say anything about being his mother. That will scare and confuse him. She says, all right. Um, They tell her basically it's going to be a long process, this getting them back together. She says she understands. She is led to her son. It's a touching little scene. Uh, she, She just asks him, what is his toy soldier's name? The boy says his name is Jack. He's a soldier. He protects me. And she says, well, it's nice to meet you, Jack. My name is Jackie. He says, really? She says, really? She asks if she can uh, see Jack, and he looks at her and tells her to be careful. And that's basically the end of the episode. I, I like that last scene. It, heartbreaking. But- I, and the, the, the reunion, the, the giving the hope for the for that he's going to be able to heal and all that stuff. And the name being the same as the on the nose, Jack Jackie, because he, if he was kidnapped at three, I would buy right. it. You know, maybe. But one, no. But... Fair enough. We close in on Gideon just staring at the scene, and uh, he's inscrutable, so we don't really know what he's thinking. But does, is this going to give him hope for the future, or is uh, he about ready to just uh, pull a Katie Cole and just say, I don't know if I can do it anymore for another 16 weeks? So we'll <laughs> see. <laughs> well, folks, that was it. That was this week's episode. That was P911. Did we get why it was called P911? Was that the name of the school? No, it, it it and it wasn't it wasn't mentioned in the episode at all, which is found odd if you're going to cho- choose an obscure name like that. Uh, apparently, P nine one one is is kind of in that LOL F F two F F D F kind of uh, leet speak kind of thing. And in these in these types of chat rooms, if you put P nine one one in there, you're letting everybody know that a parent of a child has entered the room. Uh, so be you know change change what you're saying you know it's uh-huh. like it's like a danger danger there's the police or a parent or someone not in our group is in the chat room maybe there was a cut scene <laughs> a deleted scene yeah that. <laughs> I, I mean i looked it up but but yeah this sounds like yeah because we needed 15 more scenes of the <laughs> chat room gobbledygook hi you don't know who i am do you do you recognize me i'm chris hansen <laughs> oh god so, AJ, uh, what do you think? Did the uh, BAU team win this episode? Actually, they, they went above and beyond for the win this week. I mean, not only did they rescue the kid, which was the whole point of the thing, they caught the unsub who was trying to sell him, but they broke up the whole trafficking ring, at least a good chunk of it. So, phew, I mean, if I could give two wins for this episode, I would, but that is a little bit silly, but total win total win for this one yeah if they had done anything and that boy was not alive i would have been really upset uh (laughs) so yeah they got the win i mean they they still would have broken up the ring but they they won in in every way they could so uh that was our look at the barometer for this week's episode yep one win this season one one tie so uh doing well uh Shall we move on to our trivia portion of the competition? (laughs) Oh, yes. Let us do so, AJ. 
Now you had a spotty week one, a little shaky, but we, we, we look, you could do just dandy uh, this time around. I have another podcast called Beat My Guest where I do trivia. I like to do trivia. So we're going to do uh, three trivia questions, which are inspired by this Criminal Minds episode, starting with number one. No multiple choice on number one. You will have multiple choice for number two, I promise. Uh, so Mary Page Keller, who was the actress who played Katie Cole in this episode, also played... Uh, the wife on a sitcom. Whose wife did she play? What television celebrity uh, was her husband in a self-titled sitcom, which was canceled shortly after its post-9-11 debut because, well, let's face it, nobody was in the mood for wacky sitcoms post-9-11. <laughs> hmm. I'm trying to think back to the time and all I can think of, AJ, is this is like when I was first meeting you. Mm. <laughs> right pre-9-11. Well, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, right around then. Um, we're old. Uh, I should know <laughs> what this show was. Uh, what was the actress's name again? Mary Page Keller. Mary Page Keller. That sounds vaguely familiar. Uh, and you say you want the actor's it's name? The same. It's, it's, of the, the, it's the same as the name of the show. So it, it's a television celebrity. I didn't say actor. I said television celebrity. Ah, good point. Television celebrity. Oh, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the show. Uh, was it a... Was it a Tom Arnold show and his name was Jackie well, something? I'm, I'm telling you, the name of the show is the name of the celebrity. Jackie. Jackie. Uh, uh, what was that show called? Oh, my God. Was it even called that? I'm thinking it's the Tom Arnold show called uh, ja Jackie Child. No, no that's, that's, that's not right. Lawyer. <laughs> yes. Uh uh, You're thinking Jackie Thomas. Rest in peace, Jackie. Jackie Thomas. That's probably what I'm thinking of. And I'm wrong anyway. Just tell me, AJ. That's my guess. Yeah. No, this was the fine, fabulous sitcom that lasted maybe five or six episodes. And they left 10 episodes just completely unshot. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, because, bam, nobody wanted to see Emerald. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She was... Nora Lagasse. <laughs> wow. All right. Uh, you know, let, yeah. let's get you. I never watched it, by the way. No one did. <laughs> never no watched one it. did. Hence the problem. <laughs> they were in the middle of shooting an episode when 9-11 happened, and one of the actors had left Vancouver and gone back to the East Coast and had to drive back because <laughs> they couldn't fly. Just, uh. just bad ideas all around. Um, yeah. Question two. Another actor we saw in this episode was young Peter slash Charlie slash Dustin. Uh, his name is Michael Lenn, and he did not do much acting after this episode aired. This is one of his final roles, but he had done some stuff before then. So multiple choice here. He appeared in three out of the four names I'm about to give you. Projects, TV shows, films. Uh, which of the one of these did he not appear in? Okay. Is okay. it mm -hmm. House or House MD is more appropriately titled? Is it the movie The Polar Express? Is it the movie Spy Kids 3D? Or is it the television show Veronica Mars? House, Polar Express, 
Spy Kids 3D, Veronica Mars. Three of those he was in. I am going to say the one that he wasn't in, for a very specific reason I'm saying this, I'm saying Spy Kids 3D. Spy Kids 3D is correct. And what was your specific reason? Now I know where I recognize the kid that played um, uh, Kevin from. That, that was the spy kid, right? <laughs> yes, Hugs is the spy kid. Interesting enough, Hugs himself, the spy kid, also appeared in an episode of House and in the Bowler Express. <laughs> now, oh. Yeah, so the, he is also a three out of four here. So it's just kind of, kind of funny there. But yeah, I figured you might remember Spy Kids was, was this kid once I brought it up. Uh, well done there. And they weren't in the Polar Expresses themselves, but they were motion captured to be characters. But yes, they, they're, okay. they're in the credits. So blah, blah, blah. All right. <laughs> Very well done. Off the schneid for the season. And I'm glad. Uh, your final question. Yeah. As always, my favorite question. What is going to be the plot of the next episode we will watch next time around? Crippled Minds Season 2, Episode 3, entitled The Perfect Storm. The Perfect Storm. Is it A... A series of dismemberments seems to only occur under certain weather conditions, and the forecast for tonight is murder. Is it B? A series of fires in a small town seemingly coincides with a series of homicides just one town over. Is it C? A series of kidnappings comes to the BAU's attention when the culprits start sending DVDs of the torture to the victims' families? Or is it D? A series of strangulations causes a small-town sheriff to call in the BAU when he realizes he might be next on the unsubs hit list. <laughs> um, these are pretty good, AJ. I, I don't know at all but i i i'm going to go with choice a because it reminded me a little bit of the intro of heart to heart <laughs> that's my reasoning There's a lot of dismemberments <laughs> on the intro to heart to heart <laughs> no but they say when they met it was murder yes and yes I, yes okay fair that's enough that's what i was thinking of Fair enough. Uh, a little uh, <laughs> power, Stephanie Powers, right? Heart to heart. There you go. There that, go. That's the connection. Dustin yeah. Powers. Sure. Maybe that's what I was thinking. No, unfortunately, not the correct answer, I'm afraid. No, the perfect storm. We're going to see a series of kidnappings that calls in the BAU because the culprit starts to send DVDs of the torture to the victim's families. You know, I was thinking it might be that one because I feel like when they start to pile it on with the kid crimes or I'm assuming kidnappings, kids, I don't know. I could be kidnappings wrong. Kidnappings do not have to be kids, but, no. That is true. But uh, yeah. I did not say child abductions. I, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I wanted to go with my heart to heart joke and I wouldn't have been able to get it out if I. Yeah, sometimes you have to go with your head. Sometimes you go with your heart to heart. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> One out of three, not bad. Uh, and uh, yeah, perfect storm next week. Looking forward. Yeah, I am too. That is it. AJ, thank you so much for uh, being here yet again. Folks, that is the show for this week. 
Uh, thank you for joining us. We hope you had a great time. Please be sure to subscribe to, rate, and review our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And spread the word. Let some friends know that you have a show you like to listen to, and it's called Felonious Pundits. You can uh, also write to us at feloniouspundits at gmail.com. I do keep checking that every week. <laughs> Daddy, I'll be good. I'll be good, Daddy. Please write me. <laughs> and uh, you can follow us on Twitter at podcast underscore pundits. For AJ Mass, this is Kentad Svensgaard saying goodbye and keep profiling. Wheels up! Anyone who does anything to help a child is a hero to me. Fred Rogers.